We wish we could hit the pause button and live in one moment forever. There are times in life where we wish we could fast forward and skip over things that we might not want to do. Then there are times where we wish we could rewind and try again. But life is constant. It never stops. And neither do we. But with a new beginning comes a chance to stop dwelling on what we think is urgent and start focusing on what is actually important. Because we need to reset. Well, it's great to see you this morning. Thanks for joining us, whether you're here in the building or if you're checking us out online. My name's Steve Murphy. I'm one of the ministers here at Discover, and we just want to um, enjoy our time together. So uh, again, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, today, our topic is going to be look around, and so we just encourage you um, to be looking around, like in here, but especially as we walk out of this place, you know, what is God doing, and, and how can we connect with that? Um, one of the things that we've seen uh, in terms of, of things when we look around in just the last few days is the, uh, the devastation um, by Hurricane Andrew. Uh, sorry, Matthew. Also, Andrew had some effect a few years ago. But anyway, Hurricane Matthew. Um, it, it's definitely uh, had a bit of an impact here on the United States, and we're working with uh, some local uh, teams that are going to be going and working there, so um, not that we're going, but we're working with them who are, and Dave uh, Welsh is the guy that's going to be able to help us out with that, so in the next few days or weeks, you're going to hear some things that you can donate, um, some ways that you can get involved to help out with the, with the problems here. But as you know, um, in Haiti, where we uh, are partners with Lifeline Christian Mission and have been uh, basically since they began over 35 years ago in Haiti, um, there has just been great devastation in Haiti. Hundreds of lives have been lost. Uh, it's just been really traumatic. And, and we all know Haiti is already facing all kinds of difficulties. So it's just amazing uh, to see what they're suffering from. Um, as we speak, Doug Kepfer, our f- facilities manager here, and some other people from Lifeline are headed down. There are already Lifeline people on the ground. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Lifeline has many, many, many Haitian people or Honduran people or people in El Salvador who are part of the ministry. So I don't want you to think that Lifeline is a bunch of white people in central Ohio, okay? Because it's not. It's not that. It's God throughout the whole world, just like all ministries are. It's not, it's not us, you know? It's not this group of people from here. Um, but what Lifeline is is a ministry of people from all kinds of races and groups, just like our church is a, a group of people from all kinds of races and groups. It's very exciting. Anyway, sorry, I kind of got off on a tangent there, but anyway, Doug is one of the people that's on this team right now um, who is on their way to Haiti to kind of assess the situation. And in the next few weeks, again, uh, they believe that there will probably be a need for a team to go. Um, so if you think that God may be calling you to do that, uh, be paying attention. Probably what they're going to need is people who are especially um, able in areas of construction, perhaps medical things. I'm not sure we will find that out, but for sure construction uh, is going to be needed as things have just been taken apart. Um, Also, whether you can go or not, um, all of us can pray for sure, and all of us can help fund 
um, at least most of us can help fund. So please be aware of those opportunities um, to be serving. Again, as we look around, we just see things that happen in our world that, that call out for the church, which is us, to say, yeah, we're going to make a difference. As we look around also at our culture, uh, we see the need for government that is good. And I, if you're like 99.9999% of the people in our country, it seems we're all looking around and going, wow, <laughs> this, is, this is our choice, okay. Um, but whether or not you're super excited about one of the candidates for local or state or national office, we believe that we have been given a privilege um, to vote, and so we encourage everybody to do that. And uh, we want you to remember that tomorrow is the last day to register to vote in the state of Ohio. But uh, I guess what I would encourage you to do as you look around at uh, the state of our culture, our nation, our um, city, is to, to look at the people that are running for office and um, just examine their lives uh, hold them up as we would want to hold ourselves up against the Word of God and see where they line up with the truth of the Word. Um, look at the issues as they come up and, and the things that are being discussed. How do those align or not align with what we believe the Bible teaches as followers of Jesus? And don't just pick your one issue. Don't pick your four issue. Pick what the Bible says, look at it holistically and say, you know, how, God, are we as the people of God supposed to engage, and how should we vote? God, lead us. Give us wisdom, because we certainly need it as we look forward. And look at the platforms of, of political parties and the things that they've said that are important to them. You know, you can, you can get a lot of information about what they are interested in by looking at those things. So we never... Um, endorse anyone. We will never do that. That's not our role. But our role is to point toward Jesus and to say, this is what Jesus stands for. This is what the truth of the Word of God stands for. And just look at what God says, his heart for making an impact in this world, and how is, is what is going on around us best affected um, by the church especially, but by people that we would vote for. So we just encourage you to do that. So as we're thinking about those kinds of things, um, the most important thing we can do, whether it's for people who have been devastated by a hurricane or for people whose lives have been devastated by lies that have been coming from Satan for years and years and years, is to pray. We want to do other things too, but we're going to stop right now and we're just going to pray. So would you join me in that? God, as we see the devastation that comes from physical poverty and, and things that happen because of natural disasters that just take place, um, we see that the need is really great. So we ask that you would give us hearts of compassion and action. We pray for um, people in Haiti and people in the United States, people in other nations that have been um, devastated by, by this hurricane and by other things that have happened recently. God, would you encourage your church to use the resources that you have given to bring hope to those who really feel hopeless. And God, as we look at our nation, we recognize a certain sense of hopelessness as well because of, of how divided we are um, along so many different lines. 
But again, God, may your church rise up and use the resources that you have given us to bring hope to this world. And God, would you just remind us that there's no political party, no specific candidate, no media outlet, no earthly government that has uh, just a lock on the truth, but that your word is the truth and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that your spirit leads us into all truth, God, and, and that that is available to us every day. And that's such good news. And remind us that you're on the throne Today, you'll be on the throne the day after the election. You're on the throne no matter what disasters happen, whether those are, are big that affect tons of people or things that just affect our own lives. You're still God. And we want to place our trust and our hope in you because you are our hope. We love you and we give you thanks, Lord, for what you've done what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, last week we began a new series. It's called Reset. And uh, last week we looked back and looked ahead. And, and we had everybody um, come up and pick up a stone. We had them up in the, in the front. We had them in the back as we took communion. Um, and I told you that if you take your stone, you know, we'll make a connection to the message. My understanding is that uh, if you were here in the second hour last week, I did not do that. I didn't do a very good job. And I've had people say, hey, thanks for the rock. What was that for? Um, so just a quick review, mostly since you didn't get to hear it very well last week. Uh, the rock was to just remind us of that story of how the people in Israel in Joshua chapter 4 went through the river. God parted the waters of the Jordan. They walked through, and when they came through, they went back. God, God told them to go back and pick up some stones, uh, one for each tribe. And then those stones were going to serve as a reminder of something that God had brought them through. So that's what this is for, okay? And if you didn't get a stone, we have some up here. We have some back at the Welcome Center. Um, we just encourage you to pick one of those up. Let it remind you of what God has done, something he has brought you through in your life. And let it be a reminder that just as when they came through, they didn't stop. They were looking forward to the next thing. And we looked at Joshua chapter 6 last week and how God moved and worked and did great things in Jericho. And so we, we remind, were reminded of that as well. But each week, The Rock, if you didn't get one from last week, get one today too. Or if you did and you lost it, get another one, whatever. Because we want you to have it because every week this month, we're just going to make some sort of connection with this rock to what we're talking about in the worship service. So it'll just be kind of a reminder. So there's your reminder from last week and a, kind of a quick heads up for this week too. So make sure you pick one of those up. Um, and as we mentioned last week, we're really, really grateful for the people who came before us. The people who had a vision to, to bring the good news of Jesus to this area. And uh, I just thought this picture would be kind of cool. Check out this picture. Now, you may recognize those two structures. I mean, it's one building, but um, that is the, uh, what now is the Tree of Life offices and uh, the, the Youth Center Underground and some places like that. Um, so this is a picture from the, the 1960s. And as we always say, you know, the building is not the church. We are the church. But it just helps you get a feel for where things were at that time. So now let's add this. This is the top view of our current facilities, okay? And the part that's in yellow 
that's this building. That's the building in black and white. So you can kind of see just by size in terms of facilities what the difference is, um, and it's pretty amazing to look at it. Um, but check this out. Here's a wider view. Zooming out that square. Okay, that, that big square just became a small square. That is our church buildings. Again, the buildings aren't the church, but that's where we meet and do ministry, um, and we also go out and do ministry. But that space is zoomed out because I want you to see this is the most amazing thing to me. When you look at this picture on the left, what's around it? There's nothing. I mean, seriously. I remember when I first came here, we would hit golf balls, you know, and like because I wasn't that good, I wouldn't drive them all the way to 161. No, we used nine irons, but we could do that stuff. There was nothing around. There was nobody around. This was literally in the middle of fields that were in the middle of fields. Now look at that. I mean, look at all of that. We've got businesses. We've got neighborhoods. We've got all this stuff around us. I mean, you've driven on Sawmill Road, right? You know there's a little bit of stuff around us. And what that says is there's a great opportunity. Great opportunity. Um, Moving on, you may know this. Uh, the city of Dublin is working on an area that they call the Bridge Street District. This is uh, an area of land that actually is on both sides of the river, but primarily they're going to be developing on this side. That's what the big roundabout's for. I don't know if you like roundabouts or not, but they're coming. Dublin has like 18 of them now, so welcome. Um, I personally think they're cool, but, um, you know, not everybody does. But uh, this area is going to be developed, and... Um, if you, if you notice, we are incredibly close to that exact spot. I mean, that's coming right to us. We're like right there. And look at this picture. This gives you like an artist's rendition of what it's going to look like. Just part of this area. I mean, it's going to be an amazing place where people are going to live. They're going to work. They're going to shop. They're going to be doing stuff. So there are going to be more people, more businesses, more residences, more um, all kinds of things. Restaurants, everything. All that is right around us. See, Dublin has a vision for this area. But you know what? God has a vision for this area as well, right? Right? He does. And as we mentioned last week, Jesus has a vision. This is what he said. I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. The vision of Jesus is that his followers would lead. Intentionally doing whatever it takes to bring people into the kingdom of God. It's the kind of vision that God is calling us to live out. And this is how we're phrasing it. So this is the vision that we believe God is giving us. Imagine a church that reaches into the community, loves people wherever they are, imitates Jesus, seeking real-life change, and duplicates this process by making disciples. We're going to be talking about that a lot. And in fact, in November, we're going to take each of those words and unpack them um, for an entire message. Imagine that. As we say yes to God, asking Him to reset our hearts and our minds and our vision, our commitment, and we allow the Holy Spirit and the Bible to work, there are going to be amazing things that happen in and through God's church. Again, and that's us. So we have a vision for the Bridge Street District as well, a vision for wherever we happen to be as followers of Jesus, and it is to do this, to reach people, to love them, 
to, to walk together as we imitate Jesus and then duplicate that process. In a few minutes, we're going to get to John chapter 4, and we're going to look at a story <clears throat> of Jesus doing that very thing. John chapter 4 is where we're headed. Today, we're going to look around us, and we're going to ask three one-word questions. Why, who, and how? And we will only be able to develop quick answers for those, but the idea is for us to be thinking as we are in this place, but especially as we go out of this place, let's look around us with God's eyes. So first, why? Why would I want to do that? Why would I want to look around? Why should I care about the people that live around me? Why do I care about my neighbors? Give me one good reason. Well, one good reason is on the wall. It says, love God, love people, and impact the world. And that comes from the idea that Jesus gave us when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's one good reason you do it, because Jesus said to. (laughs) We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. Here are two more good reasons from Romans chapter 15, verse 2. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. So we should care about our neighbors. We should please our neighbors for their good. The word good here it means a positive quality or a, a moral character. So it doesn't mean do whatever you can to make your neighbors happy. You know, it's not just to do whatever they want you to do so that they'll be smiling. It's to intentionally think of things that are going to be beneficial for them, virtuous things for them, good for them. The second thing we're supposed to do is to build our neighbors up. And the idea here is to do things that will strengthen them. The idea is kind of like a construction. When you think of a plan and then there are certain processes you go through to construct something, to build something up. That's the idea here, except you're not talking about a a physical thing. You're talking about a person and their life. So what can you do to build them up? Who should do this? It says, each of us, everyone. This is not optional. So think about it and ask God, what can I do for my neighbor, Sandy? Or how can I build up my coworker or, or my fellow student, Ted or Bill or whoever it is? We do that because God says we should. So that's the why. Second, who? Who is my neighbor? There's a really cool story in Luke chapter 10 that Jesus, uh, an expert in the law, comes up to Jesus and uh, asks that very question. And so here's what it says um, in Luke chapter 10, verse 29, and then verse 37. The expert in the law wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus talks for a while, and then at the end of this story that Jesus gives us, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. That's how good Jesus is as a teacher. The guy comes to him and asks a question, Jesus tells him a story, and then the guy answers his own question. Isn't that cool? That's how he works. Jesus tells in the middle the story of what we commonly call the Good Samaritan. A lot of you know that story. If you don't, check it out in Luke chapter 10. Basically, the idea in this story is that Jesus is saying, you know, whoever 
you run into, whoever is in your area, whoever you're in contact with, that's your neighbor. And the way you should respond to them is to show God's mercy. And then he uses a Samaritan. He uses Jewish people to show how you don't respond, and then he uses the Samaritan, the enemy of the Jewish people, of which Jesus was Jewish, and he says, this is how you should behave. This is how a neighbor would behave. And so then Jesus says, which one of these was a good neighbor? And the Jewish teacher, the expert in the law, says, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, that's what you should do. Whoever you run into, would you just show mercy to them? That's all I'm asking. Just do for them what you would want them to do for you. Jesus points out that God's mercy is, is available and should be demonstrated to anyone and that the person in the story crosses some barriers of belief and culture and race to do that. We recently um, purchased a demographic survey of our area, seven mile radius from this building. And again, this building is not the church. We are the church. But this is where we typically meet for a lot of things. And so we said, if we draw a seven mile radius around this building, who's there? Who is our neighbor? Who are these people? Who are we? Well, here are just a few things that you can gain from this demographic survey, and we're going to point out some. There are a lot of things, but just pointing out a few things. Here's one. <clears throat> First of all, while the population of the Midwest is declining, the, the Columbus area continues to grow. So that's pretty cool. And what's also cool is the diversity of the Columbus area is growing as well. So our neighborhood is made up of people from all kinds of backgrounds and cultures and races and beliefs. So we need to design our ministries to reach those people. The Bible says that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be represented in heaven because of our belief in Jesus. That is incredibly cool. And it's wonderful to be part of that reality. In addition, we see that many young singles... And couples are beginning, uh, at the beginning of their career lives are here in our area. You can see that that's what it calls the young and coming group. A lot of people in that group in our area. So we need to design our ministries to reach them. Survey also shows that the fastest growing ethnic group in our area is Asian. And if you've been around most of the areas around here, you see a, a great increase in Asian culture and, and restaurants and population. And so we need to design our ministries to reach those people. We also see that people in our area are highly educated. And so we need to design our ministries to reach those people, the highly educated people who live around us. We need to be wise. So let's uh, look at one more thing from the survey. It's pretty amazing. This survey shows us that 38% of the households in our area say they have no faith involvement. None of any kind. That means four out of ten people that you run into on a consistent basis have zero connection with God 
in any kind of way. They, they, they have said, no, we have no faith connection, no faith commitment of any kind. And by any kind, I mean, we're talking broad, broad, broad. So that means there's a lot of opportunity around us. That also says that we need to do things in the name of Jesus to reach these people. It's also interesting to notice that the projection is that the area around us would continue to grow. The rough approximation is about almost 5% over the next five years. Well, the leadership of our congregation has said, that's nice, it's good that our area is going to grow by 5%, but we think that our church over the next five years needs to grow by 200%, not 5%. So that's the vision. So we're going to double in size and in our impact in ministry over the next five years. That's what we believe God wants us to do. So that's what we're praying and hoping that God will do. There are about 400,000 people in a seven-mile radius of this building, so there's a lot of potential, isn't there? (laughs) A lot of opportunity. And as we each embrace God's vision, sharing the good news of Jesus, and, and by following the Holy Spirit and being empowered by Him, we fully believe many, many things are going to happen, and it's going to be great, great stuff. Well, there's a lot more in the survey, and I don't want a sermon to be a survey or a teaching time to be focused on a survey, but we're just trying to help us get a vision, a picture for the people around us. Who is in our neighborhood? Well, we're going to continue to dig into that um, over the months to come as God resets our ministries and our vision. So that's the why, and that's just a quick glimpse of the who, but the third is how. How do I connect with people? How do I connect with people? Especially if I look at this survey and I see that, you know, I may be in this population group or I may be in this population group or I may be in this population group, but the reality is we're all people. God created all of us. We all have many, many, many things in common, but for those things that aren't in common, how do I connect with people? How do I do that? Especially if the people aren't exactly like me. Well, here's a, a good thing that can help us remember how to do that. It's the Jesus campaign. What would Jesus do? Yes. What would Jesus do? Uh, amazing campaign from a few years ago. A lot of you remember that. By this, we learned that here's what Jesus would do. He would make and sell bracelets, bumper stickers, T-shirts, and mugs. <laughs> That's what Jesus would do. Uh, actually, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Um, but it would be a really good thing to just do what Jesus does instead of wear what Jesus would wear. You know what I mean? You know, it's fine to wear that stuff, but it's not the same thing as doing something. And that's what we want to do. We want to follow the example of Jesus. Jesus is incredible. The way that he interacts with people throughout the the Bible, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the the four uh, books that tell us about his life, We just see that Jesus interacts with people in amazing ways. And he knows exactly how to connect with them. And we're going to look at one story, just one, and this is, again, found in John chapter 4. 
And uh, I would encourage you to dig into this a little bit. Um, maybe your life group is going through this series. That's great if you are. You can dig into it this week. If not, just do it on your own. Uh, just this, this story in John chapter 4 has so much in it, and we're only going to touch on a few brief points. Um, it's a pretty long story, so we're going to have to boogie here. So here we go. All right, John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. Now he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. First thing that sort of jumps out is where, to me at least in this context, is where it says he had to go through Samaria. But the reality is, Jesus did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, most Jewish people did not go through Samaria. If they had any time at all, they would intentionally go around Samaria because they didn't want to go and be in contact with those people because they were different. In fact, they were the enemies. And again, when you go back to that story in Luke chapter 10 when Jesus says, and the Samaritan man, he was like the hero of the story and all the Jewish people were going, no, he can't be. So this is amazing. Jesus literally goes through Samaria. He doesn't have to, but he has to because he's compelled by his vision, his purpose. Jesus crosses all kinds of boundaries in this story. And when I look at that, I look at my own life and I ask, how am I crossing any, any barriers? You know, just like the yard between me and my neighbor even that one. How am I crossing barriers for Jesus? For the good and to build up my neighbors. Well, let's continue on. Verse uh, 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God who it is, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. It was odd enough that Jesus would talk to a woman in that culture. And when you understand the context of the story and you see that this woman was probably not held up as like the, uh, the example of virtue, let's just say, <laughs> in the culture. Uh, and again, the fact that she was Samaritan, um, it was just really strange that Jesus would talk to her. Because Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I think Jesus is very clearly pointing a principle out to us. He's saying, you know, I created people and people created barriers. But I am coming to tear those down. And I want my followers to go past those boundaries that people have put up and once we capture that vision, things are just never, ever the same. All right, we've got to keep going. Verse 11. Uh, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank, it from, drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? 
Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. See, here's the why that we talked about earlier. Here's why Jesus is connecting with this woman. It's for her good, to build her up. It says that she has belief. And it's rooted in something, but it's not fully accurate. It's not completely true. And Jesus says, you're worshiping something you don't know. Let me tell you about what is real. Let me explain to you something that's authentic, that, that's tangible, something that's true. A lot of people around us are committed to something. But unless they've committed their lives to Jesus, that thing, whatever it is, is not true. And I guess I have to ask myself a question. Do I care enough about people to, to let them hear the truth? Verse 23, yet time is coming and has now come, Jesus is continuing, when the worshipers, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father speaks, seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And here Jesus gets to the heart of it. He says, you know, I'm the one that you really want. I'm the one you're seeking. I'm the one that you really need connection with. I'm him. He wants her to know it. Just a few more verses. Then uh, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why were you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. I have to admit that I'm a lot, maybe you are too, like these early followers of Jesus, the guys who were closest to him. And, and when they came and saw that Jesus was talking to somebody outside of his little group, they were surprised. We have just let that become the norm, that there would be uh, separation of people. 
that there would be division, and that's okay. We're all right with that. That people would be grouped in certain little uh, clusters. And we don't go in that group, and that group doesn't come in this group. And it surprises us when someone has the audacity to say, you know what, I think God is compelling me to go from this group to that group. It surprises us. But that should be the everyday norm. What should surprise us, what should surprise us is that it doesn't happen. Not that it does. How are we connecting with people? You know, I think when we look at this story, it's really pretty obvious. This is not rocket science. Here's how you connect with people. You connect with people. (laughs) I mean, I don't think it's so hard. If you're truly seeking the good for someone and wanting to build them up, you can make a connection really easily. When you look at the things that you have indifference with them, it's a little harder. With actions, with words, build people up. Do good. That's what we're supposed to do, all of us. And when we do, when we cross these boundaries, look what happens. This woman responds. I mean, Jesus microwaves it. I don't think any of us would have this exact same conversation because we don't have the same insight that Jesus has. But once we know what's going on in a person's life, God will lead us with spiritual questions and opportunities to talk to them. And they may say, you know what? Could this Jesus be the Savior? And once they determine that, yes, he is, notice what she does. She goes and tells other people. This vision works. We would reach beyond whatever boundaries and barriers that have been set up, that we would love people exactly where they are. But like Jesus did with this woman, he wasn't going to let her stay where she was in her life that was being disobedient to God. Just like all of us, we need to imitate Jesus, to walk with him together. And then we see that happen in a duplicating way. People follow. They say, yes, this is real. This is Jesus. And I want to share it with other people. I'm going to make this very practical. Again, this stone from last week reminds us that God's brought us through something, reminds us to look ahead, but here's how it's going to help us remember to look around. In the Bible, they used boundary stones, uh, things that would set up borders and property lines and things like that, and the Bible's very clear. You're not supposed to move those, but Jesus says it's absolutely okay to go across them and reach people. So let that be your reminder that whatever boundary has been created would be something that Jesus says, let's, let's cross that and do good for our neighbors, build them up, and ultimately have a conversation about Jesus with them. So two ways to do this. Just first of all, make your way toward Jesus. We have to do that um, 
as we remember that Jesus crossed every boundary for us. So first we make our way toward Jesus. He built the bridge and we simply walk over to him. We have to do that initially to be saved, to recognize that he has saved us. And so we make our way toward him because he crossed every barrier for us. We take that first step and he meets us where we are. And if you've never done that, we'd love to talk with you and pray with you about that, what it looks like to to make your way toward Jesus. And we need to do that every day, whether we're if we've already given our lives to the Lord, we still have to walk with him each day, make our way toward him, and allow his vision to become ours. Second, we just make our way toward our neighbor. Again, may it remind you of, of any kind of boundary that may be there, and you just say, you know what? I'm going to, in the name of Jesus, with love and compassion and truth, um, just go and, and do something that's going to be for the good of my neighbor to build them up and uh, see where God leads that. Would you pray with me? God, we confess that our hearts are kind of drawn um, to many things. And we ask that most of all, our hearts will be drawn to you. So help us make our way toward Jesus. Draw us by your compassion and your truth. And God, help us make our way toward our neighbors. And then send us to them with your compassion and your truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.